0: Chariot Developer News, episode number 99, my God, for May 28th, 2015. I'm Ken Rimple.
1: And I'm Jeff Lebonski.
0: Yes, Jeff is joining us for the first time. For him, the, the way the game is played is we bring up some topics and we talk about them, and that's pretty much the entire game. Um, we're starting to track some user group meetings that are going on, and so I wanted to bring a couple of them up. First of all, you can find information about the podcast at uh, solutionscom slash devnews. Uh, That'll take you to the page where you can find all the show notes and such. The first thing is that I'll be speaking at the ACGNJ, which is a New Jersey computing SIG user group for Java. Apparently, it's been around since the Dark Ages. Like the people there run that big computer show every year up near Trenton and have been doing so since Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs have spoken there. So this is an offshoot of that one. I'm going to be speaking of all things at the Java Users Group about ECMAScript 6. (laughs) So, yes, so I'll be talking about ECMAScript 6, kind of rehashing the uh, talk I did at ETE. And that's on Tuesday, June 9th at 7.30 p.m. in Scotch Plains at the Rescue Squad building, which is where they have that talk. The next thing is, there's a Philly tech meetup called New Tech Meetup in Philly, and that's downtown on the 17th of June. We'll post information about that meetup up on the website. Saturday, June 20th, is a Liberty JS conference. Um, I may or may not be speaking there. I put in a proposal. We'll see how that goes. And that's Impact Hub Philadelphia, and that's at libertyjs.com. And then actually we have a, a, one of our guys, Don Coleman, who has been writing books on Bluetooth and all sorts of other things lately. He is going to be doing a Bluetooth low energy workshop along with uh, two other people who are collaborating on the book, Alice Adair, Alan, and Sandeep Mystery, at the Solid Conference, and we'll post a link to that as well. Yes,
1: I have one thing to add—a topic near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So the Postgres meetup is also on June fourth. Nice. uh, At six thirty PM at Forth downtown in lovely historic Chinatown, we're going to be doing a uh, discussion about replication and why it's awesome. Bringing cloud scale to relational and acidity is also—it's uh, quite a fun topic. A lot of the core developers of the Postgres engine are actually local to Philadelphia. Uh, so if you've got a hackering for some acidity in your transactions, these <laughs> guys can really provide.
0: Um, yeah, actually, you know what's fun? I talked at the uh, one of the user group meetings a couple years back. It was a—I uh, was surprised to see all the committers there. I didn't realize they were Philadelphia natives.
1: Yeah, it's uh, actually there's a large group in Russia and a large group in Philly. Go figure. Isn't that strange? It is very strange.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's go to the news. Uh, and I guess the first topic I have here is that the two will become one that were once one and then became two
1: sounds like a prophecy (laughs) doesn't it
0: yeah uh dune arrakis desert planet um so um (laughs) cheesy kyle mclaughlin movies Uh, any day yes it's the guitar solos that get me (laughs) wait a minute no 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 different mclaughlin wait wait anyway um so no js and iojs uh to give you a little background a little while back um, some developers on the Node.js team and people who were trying to commit changes to Node.js felt that the Node.js team at Joint and the open source community they were sponsoring were moving too slow. They wanted to see some of the ECMAScript 6 features embedded. They thought that the version of V8, which Node runs on, was an older version and they wanted to see progress. They did a fork. It's called IOJS. And it's been running for a couple months. They put out a issue two or three months ago issue 1664 on IOJS on GitHub which we'll post a link to in the show notes and it turns out that they have decided after that issue which was basically saying should we merge back in again that Mm -hmm. caused a whole lot of forum communication back and forth, people saying yeah maybe it's time and also it turns out that the IOJS project lead has just stepped aside as well kind of clearing the way for having a better refocus on both of the groups coming together and rewriting the uh, Uh, I guess, adding Node.js features from IOJS as well. So it's an interesting thing. It's kind of good that they're, they're bringing it back in again just because you don't want to have a fork of yet another platform that people are trying to well, rely on. This is the Unless true promise. Unless it's prom- going to be good. You know? yeah, yeah, hopefully
1: it'll be good. Sure. That's the true promise of, uh, of open source and what it really... If your core developers aren't doing it right, you can usually give them a kick, good swift kick in the pants and actually get some results. Apparently they and it, did. It's nice yeah. to
0: see the process actually on occasion sometimes does work. <laughs> yes. So we'll post the show notes to the announcement of the leader stepping aside as well as the that interesting issue and kind of the comment at the bottom of that issue basically saying yep we've agreed and we're folding this forward happy ending yes um, did you post this one about uh, SQL Server 2003? No, oh, no, it's my Windows Server 2003. Windows Server, I'm sorry, uh, Yeah, so
1: pour out a 40 for all your, uh, your dead servers now. So <laughs> t- Server 2003 <laughs> has officially reached the end of its existence. <laughs> <laughs> it bereft of life, it uh, it, boot, to it, be. it boots no more. Uh, <laughs> it sings with a choir invisible. This um, is a dead server. Yes. Uh, you can actually pay Microsoft a, an extortion fee um, <laughs> of, I think, 600 a year per server instance to continue emergency reserve ultra backup plan b support the the one guy that's still left on the project yeah but that's basically it uh so uh it is time if you have old rusty clunking servers in your back office now is the time to upgrade them to the glorious joys of server 2008
0: or heck virtual machines right i'm sure there's a fair number of vms out there in vmware that's where all the trouble ends up floating
1: around right. right let's
0: consolidate these servers and put them in whatever they are and forget about them yeah
1: yeah interesting so, uh, another surface for zero-day exploits is uh, okay. has joined
0: oh yeah uh hey did you know uh, apparently there is java 9 and i was not paying any attention to it whatsoever because java 8 <laughs> took what four years <laughs> it, it took slightly longer
1: than they wanted it to yes
0: however looks like they're kind of getting their act together in terms of schedule for this um, they're saying that the general availability is September of 2016. Wow, uh, yeah, this was announced on May 27th and this is at uh, codinggeek.com. Uh, we'll post a link to this article. They have a schedule that basically says by December of this year features will be complete. and by let's see 721 of 2016, the summer of next year, they'll have a final release candidate. and then it's ga sometimes in September. Now knowing how all projects slip, Let's assume this has a factor of 1.5 to 4.5. And it could be, you know, the beginning of 2017. But if it's on schedule, it'll be sometime in uh, late 2016. And so I wondered what was in that. And these guys actually did a pretty good job of eliciting that. So the Jigsaw project, which is their goal. Yay! Yeah, finally. Finally. Uh, (laughs) OSGI without OSGI. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, so so that's modular source code, which is the ability to kind of load uh, modules, uh, into the system at runtime, um, and that's Project Jigsaw. That will be going in. Uh, there will be a lightweight JSON API, another hooray. hooray. And it doesn't hurt. Um, that'll be in Java Util, uh, and it'll be lighter weight than the other options that are out there, if, according to this article. Uh, there's an API update for the Process API. This will make it easier and platform-independent to talk to and communicate with operating processes in Java.
1: Oh, no more introspecting the calm sun hierarchy for me. I right. Guess. So I wonder mean, if I... this is
0: a Windows box or not. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, I, I always
1: love setting private interfaces to the public through a reflection. It uh, <laughs> makes me feel really good as an engineer.
0: <laughs> so that will go away, uh, hopefully, and you will be able to okay. communicate without having to worry uh, too much about the operating system. Uh, that could be good. There is now going to be a segmented code cache. Uh, I guess that had only one before. This shows how much I know about the internals. But there's going to be a short duration cache for certain conditions, a long duration cache, and then a. I love this one. Go ahead and start talking about like the new permgen infinitely long duration cache. <laughs> so. That's very long indeed, actually. Yes, it is. Uh, um, even after you stop the computer and put it away, it's still out there. Right, the holy ghost of caching. And so it says, it will stay forever, forever JVM eternal or non-method code. Hopefully that's for nothing that you write that you redeploy.
1: Okay. I feel like I need a little bit more on the internals to yes. understand what that's all. Somebody's going to probably school me next ETE on that. And then the fifth thing
0: is the actual money and currency API. So if you were looking to crash a stock market, <laughs> you could make your own money.
1: Yay! Uh, it- this will finally settle that debate because everybody the, yeah, we've all run into people who put floats in.
0: Yes, oh god.
1: Um, uh, or even worse yeah, use it as, as insert at pennies, which is also I, That's another insanity. Yeah, Yeah. so this will be nice. I wonder if it actually it, here's going to be another uh, gigantic API that's going to end up like uh, like the Java Time API.
0: In fact I'm looking um, at the source code here. It's money.of, or it gives you a monetary amount. And then I love the one fast money. Now, when you hear about Fast Money, you should not invest your dollars in Fast Money. No. No. Um, or you can just get a hover around with a free drink cup or something like that. But apparently Fast Money focuses on performance. Okay, so we'll have to see what those are like when we get closer to it. Anyway, this is a codinggeek.com. Leave off the extra G for savings, and uh, I'll post the link to that as well. Are people really fighting for a money
1: API now? I, I never thought of one. I, I've I've woken up in cold sweats from other APIs, but I've never worried.
0: <laughs> well, now about, we have one to now, worry about. Now we have
1: one that uh, one less thing. I can I can sleep through <laughs> the night now, knowing that I have a financial package <laughs> that keeps track of money correctly.
0: Right, right, exactly. No more big numb for me. <laughs> Uh, hey, there's an article out here from Banyan Ops. Now, Banyan sounds like Net vines Banyan from the 1860s, but um, there's a website called Banyan, BanyanOps.com, and it says, and this is scary, over 30% of official images in the Docker hub contain high-priority security vulnerabilities. Well, it only goes to show that if you can push something up to Docker and you're the average Joe and it's an operating system image, chances are you're not doing the due diligence that an ops person's going to do to patch everything. Or even a
1: security person. And right. that's, I'm, I'm waiting to see this this avalanche starting to come down when uh, not, nothing gives a security uh, engineer nightmares than hearing DevOps. Yeah, right. Because it's the two most trusted organizations collaborating <laughs> together. <laughs> In the enterprise (coughs) space. Yes. uh, So the only thing that you need to think about is always thinking, well, where's my social security number and credit card info? And if the answer is DevOps, you should be rightfully worried. you should be closing your account immediately. I I continuously get amazed. I get Docker images that I see, and they're pulling down TAR files off of S3 and then executing them in in the local root context. I'm like, nothing bad can ever happen with Docker. (laughs) I mean... Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This will never change. Nothing, nothing will ever sneak in there.
0: I suppose at some point, and I'm sure we'll get you know, pilloried for comments like that, but the thing is, it's fair to say that it's an, open, it's an open season. You could put whatever you want up there as an image, and you've got to do your due diligence. So they said that actually, if these are not... So, so first of all, that 30% was the official repositories. If you go to unofficial general images, that any, like you and I create accounts, mm-hmm. we push a Docker image, it goes all the way up to 40% with a sampling error of three. Which is pretty high.
1: Yeah, just uh, be on your toes with security. Yeah. It, it always comes out of left field.
0: Just remember it. And, and so there's a lot of stats in here, uh, implications, and suggestions about what to do. So I definitely recommend if you're going to use Docker that you read this, especially if you're going to end up using these containers in production.
1: Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, very so much. That's a good one, too. Especially since Docker just got production ready. You should be very much on top of that.
0: <laughs> yes. I um, actually been playing a lot with Docker lately. On uh, I was using Boot to Docker, and then I gave up on that and used Core OS Vagrant, mm-hmm. which is an image that boots up Docker on a on a virtual machine in Windows or Mac. It's an interesting mm-hmm. platform to work. Nobody with. installs from source anymore. Yeah, that's very
1: sad. Yeah, oh. yeah, well, yeah. I think I've got a VM image with Docker I installed from source. Yeah, just, just to kick around. You a start,
0: bit. that's basically I think what the Core OS is doing. So they're yeah. they're using that little lightweight Core OS and saying we'll put the Docker API on top of that. But even that one, I loaded it up, and it didn't even expose the TCP service to use remotely from your actual operating system. You had to go out of your way to turn that on. I'm like, really? So anyway, uh-huh. blog posts posts are coming actually around Docker. I just speaking of, I published one on Vagrant at chariotsolutions.com/blogs. Um, we're looking at you know Vagrant and Docker and Chef and some provisioning uh, operating environments for you. Uh, so right. take a look at those over the next coming weeks. I like putting alternate opinions out there, and it may not even just be alternate, but it's an opinion out there that people are sharing in in some circles. This is at quirksmode.org. Love these websites. It's called Web versus Native. Let's Concede Defeat. So this is the old age-old debate since, you know, phones showed up with computers on them of whether or not to use the mobile web browser to write an application uh, and let it run across multiple handsets with one code base or to write, you know, native iOS apps and native Android apps and things like that. And so in this one, this writer here basically says that native defeats web. And I'll quote him, technically it's simple. The web cannot emulate native perfectly, and it never will. I agree with that. It's never going oh, yeah. to be perfect. E- easy.
1: Easy. Yeah. Uh, just usability on yeah. its own. I, I always enjoy, you know, a thousand UX engineers coming up with different ideas on how to use anything. And uh, That's called CSS? Yeah, it's basically mm-hmm. called CSS. Um, right. So, how to read news. It's always an interesting time. Every time I go to various newspapers, each one has an interesting idea of how I should be digesting the experience. And frankly, I just want to read the content.
0: Right, right. And so, you know, look at a native application. I, I think I don't think Android does it nearly as well as Apple in terms of like the human interface. No. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can take a, any Apple app generally, unless they're completely written from a canvas, and just use it. You know, you know what you're doing with it, you know where the menus are gonna be, you know how to move things around. And when there's a new metaphor, everyone kind of moves the new metaphor. You know, it's a little more wide open with Android, but you could do anything you want to in an HTML app. So, you know, his point stands. I think it's a fair point that you can't really just look at someone and say, you know, you absolutely have two equal choices. They're different choices, right? And so if the choice is I want to have something that looks somewhat appealing, that works you know in some something that's familiar to a mobile handset user. But they can live with the, the lag and the delay of the website because maybe I don't have the developers needed for mobile apps or maybe you know it's, it's just something that's too small to, to warrant a mobile app. It's an option, but it's not an equivalent option to native.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think what the article is getting down to its core was the uh, usability for people who want to sit down and actually consume. And I, like I want to read the Wall Street Journal. I yeah. want to read this magazine, versus you know having to go through these individually oriented, you know, architected and designed application experiences. Coms uh, and the the tyranny of all of that uh, versus a slick design that you could perhaps say Kindleize
0: your right. content, perhaps maybe mm-hmm. if, if I just yeah, verb- if it's pure content, I totally agree. Yeah. If it's if it's content consumption, I think yeah, native is probably always going to be better. Always, yeah. always. It, it, but
1: it does it doesn't really address the question that web is the initial immediate accessibility layer for most most companies to enter the market. So yeah. if, you're, if you're designing an app, uh, I mean, ten years ago you would consider whether you were writing in you know an MFC or uh, or a Cocoa or whatever was going on. Nowadays, you always go web first. Yeah. And if you have to, you'd start looking at branching out to, to OS X and Windows and all the other fun things.
0: Right, right. So. That's definitely fair because if you think about it, I mean, you've got so many people that know something about the web that can yeah. get some things done for you. And to pick up Xcode and start becoming productive on it is there's a huge pause there. So even if you start web and go to Xcode, you've got probably months worth of time where you can be iterating through what the design looks like, how people interact. Yeah. Maybe it's not perfect, or maybe it is. Maybe it's good enough for what you need. You yeah. know, and, you know, phone gap and things like that. Try to go. There's a good argument about tripling your development costs. Mm. Uh, we're not doing that, actually. I
1: think the web will still maintain the, the entry-level position for an awful lot of things out there. But if you're going to be doing something that, if somebody's going to try to enjoy what you're offering them, you're really going to start to look that, at native for consumption and long-term. Games, yeah. Anything like that, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. There's no,
0: yeah. Not, uh, a, not a mobile web browser, <laughs> you
1: know? You can just get the feel for him. Yeah, I'd love to see some really solid examples of PhoneGap, like Enterprise phone gap.
0: We have to get Don on here, because I know Don's done a fair amount with it. So get a feel Don, for Don would shame, name and shame us, yes. <laughs> so we'll be fair and bring him on for the next one. Um, okay, cool. So that's that one. Can you write a Lisp interpreter in less than 200 lines of code? I can, but I choose not to. Right. <laughs> I don't think I can. Just busy doing other things and maybe never being that smart. But uh, let's see who wrote this. This is Mary Rose Cook. In 2013, it's a little bit older, but uh, she had a little workshop she did, and it's actually 116 lines of JavaScript. Uh, and she takes you through writing an interpreter. And so, you know, one of the benefits of Lisp is that it's a really simple thing to parse because every atom, so to speak, or list is in parentheses. So she basically creates a tree of elements and kind of works off that tree from the bottom up and parses them. And so she has a nice little example of how that works.
1: Huh. Interesting kind of thing. I'm getting flashbacks to my compiler design classes. Yes.
0: Nice. Yeah, you know, parsing and tokenizing, right? That's yeah. that's what the it's whole all, thing
1: is. It's all CFGs all the way down.
0: So that's an interesting one. I think she wrote this in JavaScript of all things. Yes, it's running in JavaScript. 116 lines of JavaScript. A lisp interpreting a Lisp. You don't say. Uh, I, I could do that
1: if I didn't have to use the carriage return. I could probably do it in one line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, word wrap is a wonderful thing. Don't even do that. Scroll all the way to the left. Get yeah. your variable name. Scroll all the way to the right. And then I think, you know what, the last one I'm not a real big fan of, but uh, it looks like there's a bit of a, a mess in the Ubuntu community.
1: M- mess is a, is a light word, I for think. For what's going on yes, here? It's a, it's a complete. Have you there, looked at this? There's a cluster. Uh, I'd use the word cluster <laughs> on this.
0: So apparently Jonathan Riddell uh, has been told by his leader, that his leadership of the K Ubuntu community is no longer recognized by the council. Uh, which basically makes all the k Ubuntu people flip out. Now, how many people are still using k Ubuntu? Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, KDE went through a release cycle recently and actually I played around with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the code name, Plasma, was it? Oh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah you're right. And I, that's actually it's pretty slick. Uh, give, you know, really harkens back to the heady days of nine Windows 98. But um <laughs> I'm going to make enemies there. I it, it, <laughs> see, it seemed pretty it seemed pretty cool. I did yeah. a I did a window manager dive uh, a couple of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. uh uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly solid, slick, customizable desktop that has all kinds of bells and whistles, and it's still current. And the uh, nice thing—they have little mini app stores built into it now too, which is really slick. Is that the one that you can kind of put little tiny widgets
0: on the on the page? Yeah, the, the widgets have their own little app store, yes. and it, it, it's actually this. very well polished. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, something you're, they're talking about the Ubuntu Code of Conduct. What is it, about the App Store licensing? Is that what it really is? It's about the, the Ubuntu
1: licensing. Mm-hmm. It's about licensing Ubuntu to variants, and there's some kind of politics involved with the the rights involved. I, I don't know the very deep specifics. I'm, I'm not part of the, the Ubuntu community process so at we'll, all.
0: we'll have to watch this over time. I know that this is, this is something that is, you know, ongoing here and, and there's a bunch of uh, flack going back and forth. It'll be interesting to see what happens with K1-2 going forward. Yeah, yeah there, there's a
1: strong whiff of uh, politics in the air because yeah. the, the allegations are not being published and then Shuttleworth basically said that that's just too bad because you're fired. Uh, <laughs> but we will accept commits from you, so
0: continue to work. Oh yeah, great. Uh, which is also always very nice. All right, guys. Everybody in Ubuntu, calm down. We need you. <laughs> Please don't go anywhere. No, no, we do use you. Um, all right,
1: great. Oh, do you have some more? Uh, I just have one thing. Uh, go ahead, Man- go, ahead, Ma- go ahead. Mandri- Mandriva recently passed away. Unfortunately, Linux distribution. Oh they, yeah, they I heard about that. They did shutter up. So uh, so stick stick around Ubuntu. It's getting less crowded out there. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, remember it, Mandriva. I, I used to like Mandriva and. Uh, it, it will be missed <laughs> this is the late 80s or late 90s late 90s yeah, yes, late 90s. Yes, yeah. We, we, we were all there yes I, I cut my teeth on Yggdrasil and uh, I, uh, I miss all the old guys started
0: Slackware what did I use I did uh, Slackware Slackware luxury pure luxury <laughs> 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 and I forget what else for a while there and then um, Mandel yeah Mandriva I think it was Mandriva Mandriva, yeah, was there's uh, another one out there, Mandrake. Mandrake. Mandriva was the offshoot of Mandrake, when that's Ma- why Mandrake I the name.
1: Mandrake kinda of blew up and then
0: Right. Yeah. I had a book on Mandrake's Linux that came with Mandrake in it, and I was so thrilled when I got it working that I nuked mm. my Windows partition and cried for an hour. Mm. <laughs> Those are the days where you could take the wrong cable on your computer and completely wipe your primary drive. We we all we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. That's uh-huh. right. We walked uphill both ways in the bits. You had feet? Oh, you had luxury in my day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that is the end yeah, of the Dev News. So uh, if you want to find out more information about the Dev News or anything else we do, head over to ChariotSolutions.com. Dev News will get you to that site. You can look at all of our screencasts, all of our videos from Philly Emerging Tech. We have at least 15 now up online at uh, ChariotSolutions.com screencast. And if you want the uh, published PDFs from the speakers, you can go to slash presentations as well. So that's it. So for the Developer News, I'm Ken Rimple. I'm Jeff Levonsky. And we'll see you next time.